Welcome to another episode of Naked Voice Podcast. I'm joined by the regular Naked crew, some of you know, Max, Lee, Russ, Paul, uh, and a very, very special guest, Lindy Mgaza from Explode Social Media. Explode are part of a recently launched We Are The Health Tribe network that isn't really a network. Hi, Lindy. Finally, we've made this happen. How's life, in, uh, how's life in Birmingham? It's lovely. It's cold. It's winter, but I'm very happy to be here. Oh, wonderful. Uh, before we get into the reads of, uh, you know, what you guys do and uh, how you work with clients and the amazing kind of work that you deliver, uh, I think it's always a good point to start right at the beginning. Uh, so maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and how you've kind of uh, uh, launched Explode Social Media. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I started off um, working for one of the biggest celebrity publishers in the UK. I used to sell on Lorraine Kelly, Tess Daly and Gloria Honeyford's magazines. About 10 years ago, people stopped reading magazines like they used to. My advertisers weren't getting a great return on their ad spend. Um, and I sidestepped into social media simply because um, it made sense people, you can do ads and you can get an actual measured return. I felt that's where the industry was going. Um, so we set up five years ago in the jewellery quarter in Birmingham um, and we moved two years ago to Colmore Row, which is um, the business district. And we work with a varying array of clients now. Um, so my background is in print publishing um, and moved into social media five years ago and haven't looked back and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Wonderful. Yeah, I can identify with that. I started my career in uh, publications uh, back in the day, about 20 odd years ago. Oh, how it's moved on since then. Mm. Um, so, so you mentioned uh, some of your the, the, the work. So in terms of what kind of capabilities and expertise do you kind of provide and how do you work with clients? OK, so generally we've got five core services. So we do organic social media. Um, where we develop, whether it's a sofa brand, gin brand, or a health brand, we will create the content, we'll post it on social for them, we'll make reels, videos, we'll do a hashtag strategy. Then we also do a hell of a lot of influencer marketing, where we get products out to people with influence. Um, and then we do things like paid social ads, PPC, um, and we're doing a lot of work on TikTok at the moment, because that's where it's at and where social's moving to. Yeah, we've heard a lot about uh, TikTok and certainly proposed some bits to our clients in the past. I mean, um, how, how are you seeing, you know, this kind of hero uh, channel kind of uh, developing and why is it kind of taking over, basically? Well, I think TikTok, huge success began during COVID for obvious reason. People were polarised and stu stuck um, looking at their phones. Um, but I think the clear thing is now that TikTok's not going anywhere and it's only going to grow. Um, and I think it started off with kids dancing, parents then went on to see what their mm. children were doing on TikTok and then they got addicted. But now it is a place where as a business, you can grow in following very hugely, um, specifically for health brands. There are lots of restrictions on Meta at the moment. So Facebook, mm. Instagram, and there's lots of ads you can't do. Um, I like to think of TikTok as the wild, wild west in that regard, because you have the ability to do a lot of things that you can't do on Meta. Um, I think they're going to tighten up. Everything generally goes in the same way. Mm. But as I when I speak to my clients, it's somewhere you can make hay while the sun shines. So I thoroughly recommend um, if you're not doing it to get on TikTok. It is not just a young demographic. There's TikTok shop. 
There are millions and millions of pounds being spent a day through TikTok. And it's probably the only platform where you can get to sort of 10,000 followers in, you know, two or three months by posting every day. Um, so you want as many funnels for leads coming into your business or sales. Um, it's a great place for you to create a very clever funnel, you know? Yeah. I mean, social media sounds really exciting, you know, from uh, from a healthcare point of view. Uh, mm. We've seen a bit and we've done a little bit, maybe not necessarily to the degree that you have. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the healthcare clients you work with, what, what, um, do they kind of approach you? Do you approach them? And um, what are those conversations like uh, versus, you know, the brands that you work with at the FMCG level? Yeah, I mean, we... Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's a bit of both. So generally, um, I mean, when we first started off working in healthcare, um, we, we started off working with aesthetics and CBD brands. Mm. And we have to do stuff like speak with the MHRA. We have to look and talk to our contacts at Facebook about restrictions and regulations. When we talk to businesses in healthcare, it's a very different conversation because essentially looking at the parameters of what you can and can't say, even in um, things like aesthetics now, you know, you're not allowed to do before and after pictures on Facebook and Instagram. There's a mm. tonality and there's things that you can and can't say. The inability to make medical claims, but trying to also portray the benefits of a product. So for us in healthcare, we've done it now for five years. We get it. We speak the language, but it's a, there's a nuance to how... Um, I mean, look, we can't be like America, you know, in no. America, if you watch ads for, you know, any pill or even opioids on the TV, it's bizarre. Um, and we aren't that risque and we are a different animal, but we are extremely far behind when it comes to healthcare advertising. And I feel that we are probably one of the pioneers in the UK um, when it comes to helping big pharmaceutical brands and healthcare brands understand the you know the sort of the tightrope they walk and what they can and can't say having the ability to promote your products to specific healthcare groups um without offending anybody is a skill um but the great place to do it is on social um there are so many people who um the lady that started the Copperfield Breast Charity is a fabulous influencer she's on social media she's followed by a lot of women who are desperate for healthcare um, you know, advice, guidance. So I think it is a polarised community of people online who have different um, ailments or conditions and they're looking for answers. And I think it's really up to us as an industry to be able to use the medium better, say more and do more without being scared, but also, you know, while towing the line of the regulatory bodies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Listening intently, obviously the US is the, the kind of primary uh, direct to consumer marketing um you know uh, environment i think there's a little bit isn't there max in um uh, new zealand i think they can do a little bit of restrictive dtc oh and yeah. yeah it's it's legal to do dtc in new zealand yes okay as as i've still got you here max you, you you've been around since before electricity no 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 <laughs> i mean social media i mean how have, how have you seen um you know the dawn of social media and healthcare i mean you've been in the industry for 20 30 years now i mean you know it I must think, have been go on yeah no i, I think you know it, it is the future i think our clients are still a little bit wary of social media and i think there's a number of reasons for that there's obviously the 
the adverse reporting. So if someone mentions your product and then you have and it says something bad about it, then you have to do the whole medical um, sort of due diligence to make sure there's not a problem with the products. And I think um, uh, clients are still a little bit wary of that. I, I think the the other thing is obviously the restrictions of, you know, how much, I, I think people are still a little worried about how much return on investment they get. There's certainly mm. disease awareness. I think people totally understand that brand awareness. I think we're still kind of nibbling around the, the edges of how we can not promote brands, but how you can drive awareness of brands without a going over the regulations of of, of, of promoting pres- pres- prescription products to the public, but also um, how do we you know not promote the rest of the category at the same time? So I think there's still a little bit of work to be done sitting in the branded area. Max, I couldn't agree more. One of the things I would say is that is absolutely something that brands in the healthcare space always say to me. But there are ways that if you are experienced working in this space, you can do things like, you know, turn comments off. You can approve them before they're posted. So I think it's a, the job of us, really, and this is why I love the tribe, to really make a step change working with people that understand social, that can manage it well, that can ring fence these challenges. And it really takes, a, a, you know, a ballsy marketing director, let's say, to get out there and just really think, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take the risk and I'll be the first. And in healthcare, there are so many different verticals that, a, you know, a small brand can really take over some of the big boys because they're too scared to do it. So, um, you're absolutely right. People are afraid of these bad comments, bad reporting. This happened to me. But it's also a way that if somebody has an issue, if they can direct message you through Instagram or Facebook and you can deal with that inquiry a lot quicker than your old mediums of um, phoning up or writing in. It's just where it should be at. But the the the, the problem is exactly what Mike said. People are absolutely petrified of opening a door that they think they can't close, but it has to be opened in a measured, rational way. Wonderful. I, I love the mechanics of, you know, how do we do this? Because we all, you know, propose these uh, big, wild ideas to our clients, certainly at a pitch stage and say, look, this this is the kind of, you know, the layer of the land. You can really, you know, use these new and emerging kind of channels. So how how does that kind of happen from 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 a granular point of view, Lindy? I mean, so you, you'd get approached by a marketing manager or a brand manager, and then, you know, you'd have these amazing conversations. Then when do other folks get involved in like legal or regulatory? And how, how do you kind of manage that? Yeah, it's a lot more of a litigious process and a longer process onboarding a healthcare client. Because initially you would liaise with the marketing decision maker, which is usually the marketing director, um, and you would come up together with an idea that you think is great. You then have to clear it with the senior people in the business who also mm. are fearful. And then you create the content and it then needs to be checked by legal and compliance. Um, and then, you know, what, what often happens is sometimes some of the more uh, direct messages that will get the greater response get dumbed down because there is a big uh, process of so many people being involved. So it's a lot harder, but managed well and executed well, it can be done. But there are many stakeholders involved when you're creating content in this space. And I suppose that's where your guys' expertise comes in, right? So I'd, I'd imagine you're probably doing a lot more handholding, a lot more kind of education yeah. uh, with these healthcare yeah. clients versus FMCG, right? Yes, absolutely. It's double the work, um, yeah. but it, you know, it, it is what it is. There are people playing well in this space and we're good at it. 
Wonderful, wonderful. I want to bring in Lee a little bit here as well, because obviously we've done a few social media campaigns. Lee, um, where, where do you kind of see the real power and benefits of social media in healthcare? And, you know, critically, at what stages of launches? Do you want to give a little bit of an insight yeah, no, I, I, well I, yeah I'm not sure I can perfectly answer that question quite a tricky question but I was gonna I was gonna kind of answer the broader question about social media with two hats on one as a consumer I, I absolutely love social media and, and I've, I've I've learned a lot I've changed a lot I actually became probably not to everybody's taste but I've be, I became a vegetarian from something I saw on social media and pursuing further information about that and, and I've you know I find it a great medium for discovering things and learning um not just about yourself but, but about other things as well like from a from a with my other hat as a as a you know a, a, a healthcare marketeer I guess or and, and creative I mean it's, it is tricky to do especially we're doing a lot of description only drugs is a very difficult you know it's impossible to do anything um in terms of promoting outside of the US New Zealand to, to promote um, drugs directly on social media, but it, it's a great medium. And I think this is where there's real opportunity for us, and, and particularly with Lindy. You know, it's a great medium to do market shaping about the disease, disease education, public awareness of, of diseases. And you know, we don't have to be pushing drugs um, in in the medium. So I think there's great um, scope there as well. I think from a creative point of view, um, you know, it's just another medium. You know, I think the idea is still king. <laughs> Um, and I guess that said, you know, we need to think more about time and be and have real brevity and, and think about smaller spaces sometimes as well. So uh, all in all, I think it's a fantastic medium. There's more scope to do perhaps disease stuff. And um, yeah, no, I, I get quite excited about social media still. Um, I suppose we just need more, you know, enlightened, educated uh, individuals like Lindy and her team to kind of walk clients hand in hand through that process, yes. I think. So I remember no, back in the day, uh, it was, um, you know, about 15, 20 years ago, it was like, you know, instead of going to a doctor, there was this moniker where you just look everything up online and it was Dr. Google, right? And from Lindy, from what I can understand now, there's a lot more of that going on in kind of social media. So, so how do patients and individuals with conditions, you know, we work a lot in female health is one of our big areas. I mean, how do they use social media to kind of um navigate a new diagnosis or, or just get more informed about condition or find different solutions i mean how do you kind of see that well the growth of the holistic and herbal health market has been massive because on social there will be women if we're talking about female health that may have an ailment or issue and there will be a lady who feels she has found a cure that lady is a sole trader um, and has the ability to launch a brand on social. And I've seen it happen time and time again, where these women have thousands and millions of followers. They're not a doctor, they're not a prescriber, um, but they have a captivated audience that is eating out their hands because people are desperate for answers. We all say, Google it, right? So mm. when I have an issue or somebody feels something within their body, a lot of the times, the first place they go now is social media. So having the ability to have regulated voices on social that actually can give meaningful information is hugely important. And I think there's a big um, onus really on the healthcare brands and definitely some of the bigger ones to really get on social and start getting rid of some myths and informing people um, about the reality of some of the things that they can do to fix themselves and their bodies. You know, there's a massive movement towards um, people wanting to live this healthier, balanced, sustainable lifestyle. Um, but, you know, that there are healthcare brands that 
really need to get in and start playing because there are people that are growing to hundreds of thousands and millions of followers who are, you know, claiming to be doctors or professionals mm. and their voice is so loud and there's no real polarity because the, the big brands and big healthcare um, professionals aren't really doing their job in regards to, you know, being uh, courageous enough to get out there and, and have their voice and have their say. Whatever people do or say, there's going to be somebody that has something bad to say about it. Um, so I think it's really um, making sure that on social, when people have these, oh gosh, this has happened. I wonder if it's happened to anybody else. Let me find somebody. The only people really they're going to find on social are these self-proclaimed professionals and people mm. who sometimes have. And listen, you know, some of them are, you know, there are people out there curing people and it's a, you know, it's a modern mystery. Um, but there aren't many big healthcare brands and pharmaceutical brands that are giving people what we see in the normal world as the best alternative, you know? Yeah, it certainly seems, I think we can probably all kind of testify to that. There's a gift and a curse aspect to it, isn't there? Mm. Um, and a vacuum kind of gets filled. So if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, maybe the antidote is that uh, more pharma, certainly from an education point of view, um, jump in and try and fill that with a bit more of evidence-based. Yeah, yeah. In interesting, interesting. Um, wonderful. Okay. Um, so you, we touched upon some of the uh, kind of platforms, etc. Um, it'd be interesting to find out, um, you know, what, what what's going on in terms of, you know, the age ranges and the demographics of individuals that are looking into their conditions. So we, I think it's pretty obvious that the younger you are, you're probably on social media or kind of aware of it, etc. But but what about, you know, as you age, you know, you get into your 50s, your 60s and 70s, is is social media kind of not able to reach those people? Or have I misunderstood no, or no, not aware? No, no, this is something that has changed hugely. And if you just think about it logically in the wider world, lots of people now buy their grandmother or grandfather or older parents Kindles. And rather than mm. reading a book, they're using a Kindle. You used to, I mean, we've worked with brands that want to sell to post 50, paid off the house, expendable income. You can reach those guys on social. There are influencers now who are in their 50s, um, 60s, who are making more money than the younger guys because the fast growing use of social in that particular older demographic is happening and it's happening fast. And actually, most people now are on Facebook, despite their age. And even when... I'm still not. <laughs> well, darling, you're an anomaly. Um, <laughs> but I think that actually people are on social of this age. You can connect with them. They're looking for answers. Um, and I think we just have to think about it logically. You look at your space of people around you and friends and ask the questions because um, you know, there are, there are businesses we've worked with who maybe sell motorhomes or they're um, selling holiday homes for older people. Even mm. if somebody's in their 40s and 50s on social and they see a, a retirement home for their parents, you're going to connect with that person on social and they're the, making the buying decisions. So the, the, the demographics there, you can connect with them and it's a great place to do it. Wonderful. You know, there, there are there are younger platforms, you know, when we do stuff on like Snapchat or 
um, TikTok, we're going to be doing brands that we know, um, you know, that there are vaping brands that would only work on Snapchat and TikTok because they are doing bubblegum flavors that are appealing to younger kids. But if you're selling motorhomes to people in their 60s and 70s, you know, getting on Facebook and doing a very clever ad and you can actually do things like make it appeal to people that are looking at other ads like Saga, the demographics there and you can reach them. Yes, there are platforms that are right for younger audiences, but it's picking the right platform for the right age. Things like Etsy and Pinterest. We sell a lot of stuff that are sort of knitting goods and there are lots of older women who have um, Pinterest boards where they save ideas of how they want to do their home up. Um, so, you know, you've just got to be mindful of where online these people are going because everybody's online. All right. I didn't know any any of that. I don't even know what Etsy is. What is Etsy? Um, so Etsy is a platform that's like a creative platform. It's pretty. It's not too dissimilar from Pinterest. Um, lots of sort of um, rural, cottagey brands um, do very well on Etsy. It's a place where a lady could set up a store who maybe makes knitted blankets for babies and sells them. There's lots of handmade, beautiful trinkets and bits on Etsy. And it's a fabulous platform for creative people who want to buy something that's handmade by an individual that they would never be able to reach normally and they wouldn't be in the stores. Ah, right. So so indirectly, you know, the, the, the older demographics might be partaking in, in kind of social media and kind of, you know, purchasing online. So it's, I suppose the, the take home here is to, to go where their interests are and pull them in. Exactly. Yes. OK. Wonderful. Good, 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 good. Um, so I'm going to bring Paul in as well, because he's done a fair bit of work in the digital and transformation space. Um, so I think the overarching trend is that, um, you know, social media and engagement with audiences uh, or patients um, is kind of increasing. It's a lot more accepted now, certainly from 10 years ago when I remember pitching some ideas, you know, and seeing uh, raised eyebrows from legal in the room. Um, so, Paul, I mean, what 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 hurdles do you feel still kind of remain from the client side? You know, you've sat in some um, high level kind of strategic um, kind of, uh, you know, meetings with clients over the last yeah. 10 years. What do you think those are? Well, firstly, I would say if they spoke to more people, and I mean this, if they spoke to more people like Lindy, there'd be less barriers and hurdles, I, I would say. Because for me, um, you know, and again, I, I come from a certain background of mainly big networks, but advertising people on the whole tend to jump on a bandwagon and then they understand maybe a little bit of that and then they try and sell that and that's how, you know, you, you make some profit. That's fine. But a lot of big pharma have been burned by over-promising and people who don't really understand what they're talking about selling this and then don't set the expectations. And then, you know, the person who was brave and said, oh, I'll go with that, then didn't get what they thought they were getting and then they get into trouble with their boss. And that, that I think, has burned a lot of people. So that's one big barrier, I think. I think I think now if you have real experts that understand and are interested in the client's problem, like Lindy is, I think that will overcome a lot of that. And I think the second barrier, and this maybe maybe that farmer doesn't like talking about, is they are badly perceived by the public on the whole, right? There's a lot of conspiracy theories. There's a lot of bad reputation. They're broadly viewed the same way as politicians. 
Now, what is the answer to that? I'm not talking about Matt Hancock going into my celebrity and saying, please get to know me. The, the answer is, what do you do? If someone doesn't like you, what do you do? You can, you can hide away in your house and say, everybody hates me. Or you can get out there and give your story and, and explain what a lot of good pharma is doing for the world. If, they, if, we, if we didn't have pharma, there would be a lot of um, lack of investment in terms of, um, in terms of our chronic diseases. So they need to get out there and be part of that conversation and not let it be controlled by people who don't, sometimes don't really know all the ins and outs. And I think those are the two big barriers that I've often heard you know, behind closed doors with, with pharma. I think that's, sorry, I was going to say, I just think that's really powerful because actually when we're creating ads and we're thinking of tone of voice, we're creating it from a space of the wider public dislikes us and distrusts us. So mm -hmm. how do you build that trust? And that is one, probably one of the, the, the wider socioeconomic issues around trying to get a message across in this space. So I just thought that was really powerful. Yeah, wonderful. So on, on the converse, um... Lindy, I mean, how are you seeing the the client's operational kind of setup change, if at all, you know, with social media? Have they got dedicated folks or how are they kind of manoeuvring it? Because it's it's more work, right? Yeah. So what a lot of businesses have done, they employ a marketing executive, so a young individual who is probably Generation X, Gen Z, they think because they're young and they've grown up on social media that they'll be able to run the business's social media. And what happens is it's like getting a young exec to run your marketing department. They then start saying social doesn't work because they've got, you know, essentially somebody running it who doesn't understand how to run ads, how to do a hashtag strategy. So businesses, the smart ones, are outsourcing to people that are specialists or they're building within their internal marketing departments a marketing exec, a social media specialist lots of big businesses now are employing paid ad buyers so people that sit in their office and just do paid social advertising because the the power of the space needs space in the business in the marketing department or it needs to be outsourced um so to answer your question concisely most businesses just get a young marketing exec and get it wrong um, that's the general rule of thumb um, but the bigger businesses that are playing well on social, they have dedicated two or three people within the marketing team that are just social media. And what, what would the titles of those folks be? Imagine um, you're kind you, of recruiting for it. So, it's, uh, what yeah, that looks you have, like? You have, you've got a social media manager. You often have the social media executive, and then in bigger businesses, they have people called ad buyers who do the paid social advertising. So those would probably be the three main titles. Food for thought for some of our clients there, and for us, obviously. Um, so I suppose, you know, it, it, it seems like, the, the, you know, it's going in the right direction. You know, it's, the, it's a really targeted tool. It gives you great feedback. It enables you to follow up. It enables you to create a journey and monitor it. it gives you analytics, data, which is really critical, certainly in the marketing space. Um, it appears that things are very advanced already, you know, uh, based on the present. But what does the kind of future hold? Uh, certainly from a in a healthcare tech social space is there more to be done or is there more technologies that you're kind of aware of that we might not be or healthcare yeah. certainly isn't i kind of feel that we're um social is going to sort of it's not going anywhere we can clearly see that but if we look at how social's changed recently with the restrictions that meta have put up how hard it is to 
have, you know, when we say that social media is a place where you can have an honest opinion, open voice, it's not anymore. Because if your voice does not agree with the Facebook and Instagram policies, they won't allow you to post the content, they'll block you and they'll take you off. So I think the future is that social media is going to become more restrictive and then brands would then feel a little bit more safe. I think naturally in the UK, we're going to become more like America and there will be more um, brands that are happy to do sort of ads and put their head above the parapet. And I think that that will inevitably mean that we're going to see a lot more pharmaceutical and healthcare brands on social. So I think the use of social in this space is going to grow and I think that's going to naturally just be because social's not going anywhere and it's going to become a place that is more regulated and they see us more safe. Lindy, perhaps two things, really. One social campaign, you maybe one that you've been involved with, you think has been done extremely, really, really well. And maybe another social campaign um, that you've seen that maybe um, you can see that probably hasn't been done so well. Mm-hmm. So... I think one of the best social media campaigns was probably around the time of Nike, Colin Kaepernick and the Black Square. I think the best social media campaigns are brands that have done something at a time in the world that is absolutely relevant. So if you think about when Colin Kaepernick took a knee and Nike decided to put him on a billboard and then the polarised world went onto social media to really make a message and it made a change I believe in the wider world so I think the best campaigns are not always around you know the best um uh, sort of artwork or the the most you know wow video it's actually around doing something with the platform that makes a massive positive change so that would be yeah. the best campaign for me just because of the fact that I think we have a duty when you work in this space, we're speaking to the world essentially. And I think as a big brand, having the opportunity to get a message out to the wider world and have it vibrate around the world and have people everywhere posting something that is meaningful, for me, that's a big campaign, you know? Yeah, because on that, I mean, the, the, one, the one thing that I, I often hear is, oh, um, our doctors are very rational. Uh, our, our doctors are not into all of that. Our, our doctors are older. They're not on um, uh, on these types of social. And but they're on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, see, but this thing, it's, it's not Ooh. true because if you think about about all these um, campaigns, right? I mean, for start with obvious. We're all human. We're all driven by basically the same emotion. Can can I add on to that, Lindy? Because it's the fascinating thing. It's the one thing that we struggle with. And you you mentioned it in passing. You mentioned LinkedIn. Getting to communities of doctors. You know, this is this is the big issue. Yes, of course, doctors are consumers are on communities, but are there any communities, LinkedIn may be one where you say, Yeah, this is the place you can get to these guys. This is where you can have obviously they have closed communities, but we're talking more open communities. What what would you say about that, Lindy? So I would say that LinkedIn is a fabulous tool. There's an element of LinkedIn that's called Sales Navigator. Um, And you can go onto there. And I I mean, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but you can put in that you want to speak to doctors in a certain geographic location with a certain amount of staff under them, and you will get a list of thousands. So, you know, I I think that it's about thinking Um, And actually talking to people and saying to a doctor, what platforms are you on? How many times do a day do you check your LinkedIn? Do you go onto Facebook? Because actually, and I mean, even on Facebook, there are lots of 
open and closed group communities of um, pharmacists. There are loads of big groups with non-medics and medics in the aesthetics industry having debates with each other. Um, so, you know, you, you can find people, everybody is on some form of social. Mm. I think it's about talking to them and asking them what they do and the social they go on. And then, you know, using the tool in a way that you can sort of dig out specifically um, the right type of people that you're looking for. Doctor, There's loads of doctors on LinkedIn, thousands and thousands of them. And the great thing is with social, you don't just, you know, some, often you don't want to just speak to them here in the UK. So, you know, with social, you can reach them everywhere in the world. Very special. Thank you, Lindy. Uh, your insights and expertise really shone through today. Hopefully it gives a lot of our uh, listeners and uh, pharma clients and future and past and present some confidence and food for thought when planning their next campaigns. We hope that everyone enjoyed listening to this episode and we'll see you at the next one. Bye.